Hello, and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering system of the temple, and it also reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello, and welcome back to Maintain the Flame. This is Keith Collins, and I am blessed to know that you are listening to the program today. I pray that what you're about to hear will encourage you, that it will challenge you, that it will stir you to a a place of hunger and thirst for the Lord as you've never known before. You know, in our introduction, we always say that we expect an experience with the Lord on every episode of Maintain the Fire. So my prayer, as I pray over these programs each and every week, my prayer is that lives are being touched, that people are being changed, that hearts are being set ablaze for the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ in this generation. So wherever you're listening from, and we know that we are literally impacting the nations of the world through this program, wherever you're listening from, I pray that you are impacted in a deep, deep, deep way by the power of God today. So thank you, thank you so much for being a part of this program. And again, our hearts are are really um, stirred in this in this season, in this hour of history. So much taking place. The last three weeks I have been talking about what it means to really understand the role of the church, how we as the people of God should really be on the front line of what's taking place in the world today. We've talked about the fact that there's a war in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine, um, involving Russia and Sadly, there's been multiple fatalities. There's been a lot of, a lot of people that have been injured and, and, and killed and a lot of destruction. And we continue to pray for Ukraine and for the people of Ukraine as well as the Russian people that, that God would get a hold of their hearts as well. And c- continue to, to believe with me for the church, especially the church in Ukraine, that the Lord would use the church in this ominous, dark hour of the history of this nation because it is in these seasons that we see throughout history that the Lord and His people arise to the scene in settings like this. So, so pray with me for the Church of Ukraine. Pray with me for the Church of Russia, that, that God would, would speak through the Church of Russia in this hour as well, despite the confusion and the conflict that's taking place by way of that nation. So I... I wanted to come back to you one more time at least, and we might even do this again next week, but I just, I have so much on my heart regarding the role of the church in this hour. As I've said already in the last few weeks, I believe that it is our role as the people of God 
to be on the front line of society, of culture, of politics, of every area of the world, that, that we should be the ones advancing the cause of Jesus Christ. We should be the ones bringing the message that is tethered or connected to the Word of God, that we do not take a back seat in any hour of history, and that we can look throughout the Word of God. We can look, as I've talked about before, in the life of men like Daniel, men like Joseph, these types of individuals, um, women like Deborah, these types of individuals that, that the Lord used in such powerful ways. Look at the life of Esther. I mean, these individuals change history. They they were used of God to, to save the people of Israel. They were used of God to advance godliness and righteousness and hours of iniquity and perversion. And I believe as we look at the condition of the world right now, I live in the United States of America, as I look at the condition of my nation, the human the, the humanism, excuse me, the, the secularism, the postmodernism, the pluralism, the existentialism, the deconstructionism, all the things that are taking place in culture, my heart is grieved, of course, and, and my response as a believer in Jesus Christ is one of deep sorrow and deep burden. However, I know that my my role and my response is not just to be burdened and sorrow, even though that's clearly a part of it, but God's called me to action. God has called me as a follower of Jesus Christ to proclaim the truth in the midst of ungodliness and in the midst of confusion and in the midst of um, fogginess with regard to the way society is functioning right now. There is one truth. There is one hope, and that is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the word gospel means good news. We have the only good news, and that good news is the fact that Jesus Christ lived on this earth. He was God in the flesh as well as the Son of God. He came and offered himself. He said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. He laid his life down as a spotless lamb of God, a spotless sacrifice. And because of that fact, he shed his blood, and his blood continues to change the lives of men and women and young people around the world. I have seen with my own eyes, as I have preached in dozens of nations over the last 25 years, I have seen or watched the gospel, the the message of the cross of Jesus Christ, the message that brings conviction and repentance, that transforms the heart of humanity. I have seen the message of the gospel make impacts in some of the darkest places on this earth. And I still believe with all of my heart that, friend, this is the only hope. This is the only hope. The spirit of the age would tell us to be quiet. They would tell us to keep our Christianity in our four walls. They would tell us that the days of revival are over, that what we saw in the past can never happen again, that what we think is truth might be truth to us, but maybe it's not truth to the modern generation that we see and that we observe, um, that that what we say is love is no longer love, and it's love now to accept perversion and ungodliness and to just allow people to live how they want to live and call it moral and good. Well, 
the fact of the matter is, my friend, there is nothing that's moral. There is nothing that's righteous. There is nothing that's good unless it's founded on the clear truths of God's word. And anytime we violate those truths, anytime a culture um, turns from the word of God, turns from the truth of who Jesus Christ is, turns from the truth and the tenets of scripture, then that nation begins to falter. That culture begins to implode upon itself. The book of Proverbs tells us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we find ourselves, I believe, in an hour of great reproach, in an hour that, um, what, as Isaiah said, that we call good evil and evil good, that we celebrate darkness, we celebrate um, perverted lifestyles, we celebrate the, the changing of the genders, we celebrate ungodly unions, and these things are, are held as, as celebratory, as something to promote, and we look at these people and turn them into heroes, these people that embrace these unbiblical, ungodly lifestyles. And listen, first of all, my heart goes out to these people. They're in deception. They're in blindness. They have been deceived by the spirit of this world. They've been deceived by the enemy. However, There's another part of me that with that brokenness and with that humility and with that compassion that I feel towards these people, friend, they got to hear the truth. The only thing that sets the captive free is the truth of the word of God. And I, I still declare with boldness that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. I told you last week that Acts 4.12 declares, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. My friend, Jesus is the only road. He's the only path. He's the only solution. There's, there's not a plan B. There's no other way to get saved. There's no other way into heaven except by accepting that Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the truth. He said he's the light. He proclaimed that about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was God in the flesh. He is God. And my friend, he paved the only way into eternal heaven, eternal life. And that message must be clear. That message must be plain. And I don't care if it's in a Buddhist culture, if it's in a Hindu culture, if it's in a Muslim culture, if it's in a Protestant or a Catholic culture, if it's in a humanistic, secular culture, it doesn't matter, my friend. That truth must ring with clarity, whether it's in the midst of a democracy, a communist nation, a a nation that, that has a monarch or rule, it doesn't matter. Friend, that message is the only message that sets the hearts of humanity free. And that foundational truth is the only thing that brings the blessings of the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, the God that made a way for all nations to come into salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh. My friend, that message that truth is the only truth. So, so I believe that we have a role in society. Our role is to be bold in our faith. 
Our role is to be loving, compassionate, empathetic, all of those things. But but I believe sometimes we've had those things in a good way, or we've had those things right on certain levels, but we've neglected the other part, and that is that, that God's called us to be His voice. He's called us as God used the Old Testament prophets. And I, I want to talk for a few minutes about Samuel today. Um, but God would use Old Testament prophets in order to bring about the revelation of His nature, of His righteousness, His holiness, His statutes, His laws, the ramifications of disobedience and idolatry and all these things that we see throughout the history of Israel in in the Old Testament. And now that we see even in the midst of so much of the church around the world that has embraced a philosophy and an ideology that, that embraces, as Paul said, a form of godliness, but we deny the power of the gospel. What is the power of the gospel, my friend? The power of the gospel is the truth of the gospel. When truth is compromised, the gospel is no longer the gospel. Paul t- talked about another Jesus, another or another gospel, another spirit, another Christ. What was he saying? There is a gospel that is not a gospel that's being preached. There is a message about Jesus that is not the true message of Jesus, and it's being preached. There is a spirit of deception, a religious spirit that that causes humanity to believe that they are okay eternally when they have never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through godly sorrow that leads to true repentance. Therefore, they are never born again of the Spirit of God. However, they're made to believe that they are partakers of the blessings of God, even of eternal life, when they've never really been born again. It's a, it's a great epidemic, I believe, that has brought about... Um, a horrible scenario in so much of the religious um, modern church world. And what do we need, friend? We need men and women that love truth. We need young people that are set ablaze with the prophetic purposes of God. And when I look into the life of a man named Samuel, you know, I've, I've talked about what it means to be a firebrand over the last few weeks, and I believe that 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 understanding is important and i just want to read you that definition again from webster's dictionary a firebrand is a piece of burning wood or it's one that creates unrest or strife as in aggressively promoting or a cause or it is an agitator <laughs> when i look at those definitions again this week i see the role of the church again we're not to be um, obnoxious or belligerent are mean-spirited. Again, we should be the most loving, compassionate. At the same time, friend, we've got to be bold. We've got to be willing to to make a mark in our generation. A, a good friend of mine, Dr. Michael Brown, some of you w- would know his name, but Mike Brown wrote a book years ago, and it was called It's Time to Rock the Boat. And it deals with the fact of that, it deals with the reality of the condition of so much of the church that has become just like a uh, a little vessel gliding on the water and no no fear, no burden, no prayer. But friend, when we look at the condition of, of our culture and our society, I would proclaim, as Mike Brown did years ago in this little book, that it's time to rock the boat. 
it, it's time to agitate. It's time to bring about a divine restlessness. We have, we've been humble and sweet and mild and meek while all the while the nations are going to hell without Jesus. My nation, America, is, is lost without Jesus. We are losing generations. Our young people are ODing on drugs. They're committing suicide. Um, divorce is, is rampant. People are living together outside of marriage. Um, homosexuality is being promoted as great and, and noble. Um, gender confusion and disorientation is plaguing our young people as well as our middle-aged and older people, friend. We are seeing a nation implode upon itself because she has walked away from the truth of the word of God. We need Samuels to arise in this hour. I, I wrote a book. You can find this book on Amazon. It's called Samuels Arising, um, Waking Up to God's Prophetic Call is the subtitle. Just You can search my name, Keith Collins, Samuels Arising, and you'll be able to get this on Amazon. But this book is all about a church that's been asleep and God needs to awaken another generation, another Samuel. Samuels need to be awakened in this hour and fulfill the role of the church. Again, this whole this whole program is about understanding the role of the church in this hour. Let me let me just read you um, a few verses of scripture and then share some with you about Samuel here in these closing minutes. In 1 Samuel, I won't read the entire chapter for sake of time, but 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. I'll tell you what I've told students throughout the years I've taught in Bible colleges. Pay attention to the way that God introduces a character in the Bible. So Samuel was in the presence of Eli. Who was Eli? Eli was the high priest um, that that had been instilled or installed through lineage by the Lord. And it says be in, in, in the time of Eli, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So that's speaking into the condition, the spiritual climate of Israel. There was no frequent vision, the Bible says. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And I would say that his natural eyesight was reflective of his spiritual eyesight. Not only was he dim in the natural, but spiritually he had grown dull and he had lost vision. He had lost fire for God. So his eyesight was dim. He was lying in his place. However, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Here's a picture of this young boy, Samuel, whose mother Hannah had given to the work of the Lord. And that's a whole other story, the way Samuel was birthed through a lot of agony and burden. But but Hannah had given her son to the work of the ministry, and Eli was his spiritual father. However, Eli was blind naturally and had lost much of his spiritual vision. Samuel was literally in the presence of the ark of the covenant, the ark of the Lord. However, he did not know God. He knew religion. He knew formality. He knew the rituals of the 
the, the practice of the temple, however, he did not know God. So look at verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. All of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Um, chapter 4, verse 1, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now, between cha- between verse 3 and verse 19, there's a very familiar story that many of you would know where the Lord literally comes to Samuel in the middle of the night as he's asleep by the ark of God and he calls his name Samuel, Samuel. Samuel thinks that Eli, his spiritual father, the priest, is calling to him. He goes into Eli and on the third time of going into Eli, after Eli had sent him back to go back to sleep, Eli recognized that God was speaking to him and Samuel at, at Eli's instructions, asked the Lord to, to speak to him, and he did. And he told Samuel that Eli was being uprooted from his spiritual position. He and his family would never serve in the priesthood again. And he literally, the first prophetic word that Samuel brings is to his own spiritual father, who was a picture of dead religion, who was a, a picture of, of sinful religious practice. Literally, Samuel has to come to his spiritual father, and even though he didn't want to, Eli told him, speak what God has said to you, and he does, and he tells him that, that the priesthood is being stripped from him and stripped away from his family, that no one in his family would ever serve in the priesthood again. So the first role of Samuel, after he is awakened by the Lord, by the Ark of the Covenant, again, he was literally sleeping by the Ark of God. However, he did not know God. He knew Eli. He knew religion. But his religion was not full of fire. It was not full of vision. It was not full of revelation. It was not full of passion and obedience. It was, it was tainted by the, the, the allowance of, of Eli um, in the sense that he allowed his own sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to pervert the sacrificial offering systems of the Lord, as well as literally have sexual experiences with women at the temple of God. And, and Eli knew about their sin, and even though he did address them on a certain level, he would never really bring correction. So what does God do? God awakens another generation that will be faithful to the glory of the reputation, the holiness of Yahweh, the living God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Can I tell you something? God is always faithful to his own glory in every generation. When I look at the the story of where the Lord puts Abraham to sleep, and while he's asleep, the Bible says that the Lord literally walks between the, the, the animals that have been cut in half. And this is a, a, a picture of striking a covenant in the Old Testament. They would cut an animal in half and, and two parties would walk between the animal pieces. And that was called making or striking a covenant. Abraham is asleep, put asleep by God. And God himself appears as like a smoking, fiery pot. And he walks between the pieces. And I believe it's a picture. It's a sign that God will be faithful to his own glory in every generation, my friend. Listen, Samuel is a picture of God's faithfulness. Can I tell you something? 
the fact that you're hearing this message today, and you might be in Asia, you might be in Africa, you might be in America, you might be in Europe. I don't know what where you're at. I know this, this message is literally going around the world. But listen, wherever you are, I want you to understand if you are hearing this and something is speaking to your heart, friend, I believe it's a picture that God is faithful to his glory in every generation, in every nation, on every continent, in every city, every town, every village. He's faithful to his own glory and he wants to use your life. God has called you to bring about a difference in the society that you live in. God has called you to to make a change. God has called you to impact eternity. What is the role of the church, friend? We don't just sit on the sidelines and hope that things will change. No, we engage, first of all, in deep intercessory prayer, but we come from that place full of the fire of God, full of boldness and truth and love and power and demonstration. And we preach the gospel. We live the gospel that might be in the marketplace. Maybe that's at your job. Maybe Maybe you own a business. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a student in a college. Whatever your role is, maybe you um, are part of government in a, a, a county or a state. Whatever your role is, my friend, you are called to bring about the message of the gospel, to live out the glory of God in your generation. I believe that the entrance of Samuel into the scene of Israel on, in, in Israel was a statement that God was changing the climate in that generation. The prophetic climate was changing. God's voice and eternal purposes were being restored to Israel. And despite the level of darkness and the deadness of man-motivated, manufactured Eli religion, the Lord was faithful to his nature, to his glory, to his covenants, friend. I'm telling you, God is faithful to his glory in 2022. In America, where I live, in Europe, where war is taking place right now, in communist China, in North Korea, wherever you're listening, and this this goes all over, but listen, wherever you're listening to, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is faithful to his glory in every generation. Listen, we see Samuel. He's the end of the era of the judges in the Old Testament in Israel, as well as a prophet who, like the prophet Moses, brought or restored the message of repentance back to the people of Israel. My friend, God is awakening people in this hour. God's awakening Samuels in this generation. They will restore the message of of repentance. They will restore the message of intimacy with Jesus Christ. They will restore the message of righteousness and holiness that's fueled by knowing Jesus, not just religious activity that we do hoping that Jesus will like us. No, no, no. Something that flows from the inside of us because we know Jesus in a deep 
in an intimate way. Listen, friend, when you understand the role of the church, you realize that every generation experiences prophetic stirrings with apostolic intentions as God delights and desires to manifest his nature and his kingdoms in cities, in villages, in communities, in nations, and in regions. This is the word of the Lord for you today, friend. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and do the works of Jesus in your generation. Let me pray. Father, may your grace and your glory rest upon every hearer today. Use us for your purposes. Let your fire burn within us as never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame. I will come back next week. And we'll conclude this message in part five. But listen, friend, you be encouraged in your walk with God. If you want to know more about our ministry, you can look for us at keith-collins.org. You can also go to impactgf.org. And again, we love you. We're honored to be coming to you each and every week. And my prayer is that the fire of God would burn brighter and brighter and brighter in your life, in your nation in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.